Pastor Chris's podcast. So as we continue through our message series about the biblical names of God, we come today to the name Yahweh Rapha, which means the Lord who heals. And as we begin, I want you to turn your thoughts to this idea of healing. What does it mean? What does it mean to be healed? And maybe today you, you might think, is there something for which I need to be healed? You need to be healed. In our modern world, we tend to think of healing and we separate it into different areas of life. We, we think of physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, and sometimes we separate these things. Somehow we've come to believe that all of these are separate spheres. Even though we appreciate, and we're becoming to appreciate more and more in modern times, the interconnectedness between the mind, the body, and the spirit, we still tend to treat them as separate things and and practically unrelated parts of a person's life. Doctors primarily focus on healing the body. They don't really spend a lot of time worrying about the spiritual parts of a person's life. Pastors focus on spiritual healing, saving souls. We really don't do a lot to address physical health. We still haven't figured out mental health and and how how mental health is inseparable from physical and spiritual health. If you are suffering from depression, it's going to affect your physical health, and it's hard to to deal with your spiritual health when you are dealing with either physical or mental disabilities. Modern people arrogantly believe that we are far more informed than people in past ages. But the ancients were not ignorant about the interconnectedness of mental, physical, and spiritual healing. In fact, they would not even describe them as being interconnected because they wouldn't have even conceived of them as being a a separate issue. That's why it's so confusing sometimes for us when we read in Old Testament laws about going to a priest to be cleansed of some skin disease. And for them, it was a spiritual matter. It wasn't just a physical thing. And that's confusing to our modern minds. But that was perfectly normal. And that was just the way Ancient people thought. Unless we think, well, we've got it all figured out, understand that people have thought that way for the majority of the history of the world. It wasn't until relatively recently that we began thinking of these things as different issues. And how are we, who are we to say we are right? In many ways, we, we must understand that we are not right. That you cannot separate these things into different segments of life. What was true then is true now. Healing, true healing, encompasses every part of the life of a person. And not just one single person. A healing that is personal also extends beyond the person to the community around them. And even to nature itself. So we can sense the holistic healing power of God in the Exodus story. God delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. He convinced Pharaoh to let his people go free, and God led them to freedom through the Red Sea. However, just because the Israelites 
were no longer in physical bondage doesn't mean that they were free in their own hearts and minds. Their people had spent 400 years as slaves in Egypt. One does not simply stop thinking as a slave overnight. It requires healing. And that healing may take generations to take full effect. So I want to read to you one part of that Exodus story from the 15th chapter of Exodus, verse 22 through 26. May God add his blessings to the reading and the hearing of his word. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in the desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, this passage is a little different from the ones we've studied so far. In this one, the Hebrew name for God is hidden in the passage. I don't know why they didn't list it as they have in some of the previous passages. You know, they would say in passages that we've read before, his name is Jehovah Jireh, and then they will tell you what it means. But in this one, they don't list the name, they just tell you what it means. But the name that is there, if you look at the original uh, Hebrew, is Yahweh Rapha. Yahweh Rapha. Now, it also could be pronounced Jehovah Rapha. I've told you before that some people pronounce it Jehovah, some people pronounce it Yahweh. We're not sure exactly which it is, but because ancient Hebrew didn't have vowels in the, the name. So the, the sounds, some of the sounds were assumed. And many people over the years have come to pronounce it Jehovah, but most scholars think that originally it was Yahweh. And um, for the sake of time, I won't bore you with a bunch of crazy um, technical stuff, but, but you'll notice on the screen the Hebrew characters for Yahweh. You may notice, at first it may look confusing. It's because it's backwards. Because the ancient Hebrew was written backwards. Um, so you start from the right and you go Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. And then the second word, the second name is Rapha. And the A is not actually a vowel, it's a, it's a silent letter. Kind of like we have a silent E in some of our words. It was sort of like Rapha. So it's just like, like a uh sound. It's just a silent there. But the reason they wrote from right to left was because ancient people were writing on stone. So if you were smart and you appreciated having healthy hands, you would hold the chisel in your left hand and the hammer in your good hand, which is for most people, is right. Do we have any left-handers here? We've got a few left-handers here. But most people are right-handed. 
you hold the hammer in your right hand and the chisel in your left, and it's easier to go like this, or for you it'd be like this, than it is like this, right? It wasn't until ink and paper became much more common, we started going from left to right. Because if you went the other way, you'd smear the ink all over the paper. If you go from left to right, your hand's in front of the ink. So that's why many ancient languages went from right to left. All right, enough of the nerdy stuff. I'm, I get excited about it. I'm sorry. What does this have to do with healing? Rapha means healing. In the ancient biblical sense, it wasn't just medical healing. It was an all-encompassing, holistic healing of every part of a person's being. And not just a person. It was healing for the whole community and even the whole world. You may recall from the biblical story of creation that Adam and Eve sinned and they were evicted from the, the Garden of Eden. They fell and became corrupted and began to experience sin and death and suffering. But it wasn't just human beings that experienced that fall and that corruption. All of creation was corrupted. And so the healing that Yahweh, the existent one, the great I am, the one who is who he is, the, the healing that he brings is for all of creation. For he says, I am the Lord who heals you. God wants to heal the Israelites. He wanted to change their thinking from slaves who lived with a scarcity mentality, just trying to survive day by day, hour by hour. He wanted to change their thinking to a people who trusted God completely and knew him and his love, and they had nothing to fear. He wanted them to stop seeing themselves as slaves and start seeing themselves as royalty as special people that he had chosen from all of the people of the earth to be his representatives to the whole world. Now, that's a big change of mindset. But they were struggling. And we can see their sickness in their spasmatic thinking in this story. Just three days after Yahweh miraculously parted the Red Sea so that they could walk through on dry ground with the Egyptian army chasing behind them and get to the other side and then the waters come crashing in to destroy the army that's threatening them. Just three days after that tremendous, earth-shaking miracle happens, they have lost faith and they're complaining that they have to drink bitter water at the oasis of Mara. You see, these people have a long road to healing. And so God gave them many rules and traditions to guide them toward a holistic healing where they finally accepted and trusted Yahweh as their creator and Lord. These rules, which we call the Old Testament law, would also set Israel apart as a peculiar people who would represent God to the whole world. Because God's desire is that every nation, all people, even the Egyptians, even creation and the animals and nature around us would all know him and find healing and wholeness and deliverance from slavery to sin. 
Yahweh provided for the physical needs of his people. He showed Moses a piece of wood to throw into the bitter spring at Marah and made the water good to drink. Now, some translations, like the one we read, say it was a piece of wood. Other translations say it was a tree, which is technically a piece of wood. But it's hard for me to imagine a person picking up a tree and throwing it into the water. Could have been it was a broken off branch from a tree. That would make sense too. But it doesn't really say. It's sort of vague. It just says he showed him a piece of wood and he threw the wood into the river. Now, as I was thinking about it, and I don't know if this is true, but it makes sense to me. I was thinking, you know what? Isn't there a famous piece of wood that Moses was always carrying around? Isn't it a famous piece of wood that he threw down in front of Pharaoh that turned into a snake and showed Pharaoh that God, Yahweh, was more powerful than all the, Israel, uh, all the Egyptian gods? Wasn't it a famous piece of wood that he held up that caused the Red Sea to part? And I'm thinking, well, it makes a whole lot of sense because all of a sudden the people have forgotten all of this and Moses himself has seemed to have forgotten all this and it's almost like God is saying, hey, look at your hand. You remember this piece of wood? Put it in the water, and the water will become sweet to drink. How quickly people forget, even when we have been through something tremendous. I mean, look at your hand. Right there in every one of our hands is something that tells us how wonderful God is and how special we are to Him. For right there on the tips of our fingers, every one of us has a unique fingerprint. As far as I understand, no other person in all the world right now or that who has ever lived for the last thousands of years have ever had a fingerprint that looked just like yours. God gave you that. But we forget how miraculous and wonderful he is. But sometimes our traditions help us to remember that and to celebrate that. The, the Israelites had their traditions that God gave them that, was th that were there to help them to heal and to remember. But we have our traditions too. We have traditions throughout our church and throughout our Christian faith that help us to remember that. Baptism, communion. Today in the sanctuary, we have flowers that are here. And this is a special tradition for one of the families in our church that has helped them with their healing. Um, today we have the privilege of, of receiving into membership in our church Robert and Melissa and Ellis and Garrett as members of our church. They came to be a part of our church in a very painful and strange way. For Kelly, my wife is a nurse at the NICU at Hamilton Medical Center. And she was caring for a baby that was born there that was struggling to live. And I had saw on Facebook that, 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 that there was a, a family that was connected with the Emmaus and Chrysalis community that was in Dalton that was, had a baby that was struggling to live. I didn't know that it was the same family that my wife was taking care of. I just went down there to try to pray with this family. And through that experience, I prayed with the family and my wife was ministering to the family. And... and we prayed to begin with that the child would be healed and would live, but it didn't happen. And it was sad and it was painful. And then we prayed that the family would be healed through God's mercy in the grief process. 
And so that family began coming to this church. And today we have the privilege of celebrating that they joined. But one of their traditions is that every year on Harrison's birthday, they take flowers and put them on the tombstone, on the gravestone. But today they are joining the church on his birthday. And so the flowers are here first. And then later they can take them to the grave. And that is something that has been a healing tradition for them. Healing and growth and maturing, it doesn't always come easy. Sometimes it even hurts. Kelly and I were listening to an amazing podcast by Radiolab a couple of weeks ago about how a baby is born and first takes its first breaths. It's very, it was a very interesting thing. Now, as you know, a baby spends nine months inside a womb, floating around in amniotic fluid, can't breathe the way we do, because it would fill its lungs with water, which would, as we, we know, it would be like being underwater for us. It would kill us if we breathed that way. So why is it that a baby breathes? Well, baby gets all of its oxygen through its umbilical cord, which is really strange. You know, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever gotten out of the shower and you look down at that stupid thing right in the middle of your belly and you think, why is that there? That is the dumbest thing. It serves absolutely no purpose. It's totally useless. But for nine months of your life, it was the absolute, like most, one of the most important things in your life. That's where all of your nourishment, the very air that, you, that gives your blood oxygen came through that belly button. But somehow, in the moment that a baby is born, it has a switch from being a belly button breather to being an air breather. All of a sudden, the lungs that have been like, a, like saggy raisins inside its chest have to fill up with air and carry out one of the most important functions of the human body. And somehow, through the pain of going from paradise inside of mom, where, think about this, a baby inside of mom has never been cold before. Now, some of you are going to go home, and you're going to be trying, you're going to think, last night, this thermostat was set on 72, and it was perfect, but now I feel hot, or I feel cold, and you're going to want to move it up and down, and the other people in your family are going to be irritated at you, because they don't feel the same way that you do. Right? A baby's never experienced that before, until the moment that it is born. And in that moment, when the cold air touches its skin, something about the way God designed that body to function tells the heart, there's a little valve in your heart. Close it so that the blood on this side doesn't mix with the blood on that side. And now the blood isn't going through the umbilical cord anymore. Now it's going through the heart, to two-chambered heart. Boom, boom, boom. And it's taking oxygen out of the blood and putting it into the body. And then it's taking carbon dioxide and putting it out through the lungs. And all of these things are working in an instant. 
this happens. And it's a very painful thing, and it's a good thing it is. Because if it wasn't, the body wouldn't be signaled to make that change. And you'd still be flopping around trying to breathe through your belly button, which would be really weird. Everybody would think we were Pentecostals in here. (laughs) Healing and growth aren't always easy. And sometimes it's very uncomfortable or it just plain hurts. And I want you to know that you don't go through the pain alone. God goes through it with you. Think about the Israelites wandering through the desert. People sometimes think that it was cruel that God would make them wander through the desert for 40 years before they could enter the promised land. Do you think that they were wandering through that wilderness alone? No. God gave them a tabernacle. He said, this is where I will live. So first of all, God left the perfection of heaven to come live in a tent with a bunch of whiny former slaves. And when he said to them, (laughs) I can almost hear him because I've said this before. When he said to them, you're going to wander through the desert for 40 years as a punishment for your sin, he probably was thinking this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Because he had to wander in the desert for 40 years with them. And when you're going through whatever painful suffering and healing you must face, remember that God left the glory of heaven and he lived among us in our broken world and he even suffered the agony of dying on the cross in order to heal you and the whole world. God is with you in your pain now because he is Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. And the healing of Yahweh is complete and holistic. It covers you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. It penetrates to the very depths of your soul, out to the very outer parts of your skin, and even beyond. It goes out to heal your family and your relationships and your community. Think about this. When you choose to follow Christ as Lord, it brings healing to you that affects stars that are trillions of light years away. That's how holistic his healing is. And it's not a temporary healing, as all physical healing in this life is. God's healing is eternal. And it leads to eternal life where there will be no more sickness or sorrow or death. Along the way, God may give you some rules and traditions to follow. These are not meant to restrict you from enjoyment, but are merely there as a roadmap to to the perfect place we want to be, where we were meant to be, a place of healing and wholeness. And God knows how we should live because he designed us. And he designed every part of creation. And so God heals us on every level of our being when we follow his perfect plan for life through his son, Jesus Christ. And Yahweh Rapha says to us, as he said to the Israelites many millennia ago, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God 
and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping his decrees, then I will not make you suffer anything that is unnecessary. For I am the Lord who heals you. And so as we come to the conclusion of the message today, I want to invite you to pray to Yahweh Rapha. Pray for healing. A healing that encompasses every aspect of your life. Are you weary and carrying heavy burdens? Do you need to forgive? Or do you need to be forgiven? Pray in this time of silence to the Lord who heals you.